Welcome, one and welcome all, to Ladies with Gumption, episode 119, The Perception of Power. I am Tatiana, there is a plane coming through, and we are the Ladies with Gumption. We recap DCTV in a flash. I'm here with... Jessica. And May. And you can find us, in general, at DCTV Gumption on Twitter, ladieswgumption.tumblr.com, or ladieswgumption at gmail.com in order to send your lovely feedback to us. You can also find the actual podcast on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you are a Patreon, then you will get 24-hour early access to all our podcasts, plus plenty of new podcasts for the hiatus, because it's about to be dry as hell in the DCTV landscape. So you can find that at patreon.com slash DCTVgumption. Please join us if you have extra money to spare after you have donated to Black Lives Matter, which you should be doing. Yay! Now on to news. Hartley Sawyer. I can't believe we haven't... I can't believe this is only a week ago. I can't believe we haven't had a chance to discuss yeah. this yet. Um, <laughs> yeah. What? It <laughs> happened right after we had finished recording. Exactly. I was like, man, I wish someone exposed Hartley just a couple hours earlier. Because yes. <laughs> we could have talked about it last week. So, <laughs> um, he, you know, because he's basically waited too long to say anything about Black Lives Matter, he was too busy talking about how dog lives matter. Um, someone did not take too kindly to the way that he reacted when he sort of said, like, oh, well, you know, I advocate. He, he did one of the, didn't he do like one of those like it's taken I've taken the time to find the words to <laughs> blah 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 right. and I did, did not realize white privilege blah 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 and someone was like really I and don't even like, think well, he did I oh yes that's true the yeah, original yeah, that tweet. And, then and then his original tweet yeah and yeah. then someone in his comments he posted a, this, his tweet on Instagram someone in his comments is like really Harley and then he was like well you know what usually I spend most of my advocacy towards like animal lives and dogs and da 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 that does not mean blah 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 and someone decided to go check to see if that was really <laughs> what that means and they found right. like a whole lot of other stuff yep that's what they were like mm, let me look up Hartley and black or Hartley like, and women mm, and they were mm, like I don't mm, I don't believe you and they found really yes and it, it was, was like, a long t- it was long yeah. too it was like from 2009 through 2014 yes. like several tweets yeah, 2014 2015 and one of the things is about it, because, like, in his little apology notes app on Instagram, he was like, you know, this is, I was trying to be offensive for, like, attention, and this is not me now, and this is forever ago. But one of the things I noticed in going down, and there's a long list of tweets, and if you do not know where they are, Sky Jackson just, like, someone, someone like, sent her all <laughs> of his tweets, and she just retweeted it. So if you go to Sky Jackson's Twitter, then you can probably find some of the tweets of Hartley. Um, and his brand of humor, oh. uh, there's a lot of like sexual violence against women. Mm-hmm. And I was, uh, what I was getting at is that um, going through some of the tweets that he put out, and I think it was in 2012, he put out something about Frosty the Snowman is a convicted child molester. And I was like, that sounds familiar. And it sounds familiar because last year, like two th- well, like a year and a half ago, 2018, he said the same exact tweet is like slightly Wasn't modified. Wasn't that his pin tweet? Yeah, Frosty the Snowman is a registered sex offender. So your brand of humor from 2012 is still still around 2018. Mm -hmm. Right. It's it's almost the exact same tweet, almost word for word. So, 
you know, I don't know. And I I believe it was pinned to his profile. I don't know if it was that one or something else that was like really odd. But now that that he was like famous, it got more of a response than in 2012 when he said Frosty someone was like convicted child molester. But like, you know, just like brand of humor like that. And if that's your brand of humor and that's your brand of humor for years, like over a span of years, it's like the only people that would find that funny are the people that actually believe it <laughs> yeah right. like what kind of yeah. joke is that it's like i think the one that was most like strange to me or not strange but like horrifying i guess was when he was like oh it's a 7-eleven where i assaulted my ex-girlfriend and i was like i don't understand like literally don't understand how you would treat right. this and be like wow this is funny isn't it funny right. that i assaulted my especially yeah, yeah, like, like a story yeah exactly yeah and he's an actor right and so he used and some of his tweets were talking about you know hoping for a boob slip in an audition today or mm-hmm. you know things like that that would just you know even if he says they're jokes like the sheer number of quote-unquote jokes mm-hmm. would make me feel uncomfortable yeah to i work I, with him. I think that it was bad enough that like yes, he did a little nose up apology, but they should have had a statement from the CW or the Flash or someone. I think it's weird that they. I'm didn't. actually surprised well, that he even made an apology because I thought that he wouldn't. He would just de- like he deleted his he Twitter, deleted his whole Twitter, and then he quick. deleted everything. And then I was like, okay, so I guess he figured if only fandom knew about this, then you know he would get away with it. And he can keep quiet and nothing would happen. So I was really surprised that he actually like said something at all. Well, I I feel like I, I guess if he had to deactivate his entire Twitter, the people would start asking, where did you go? Yeah. Like, what happened? But right. I feel like, especially with everything going on, like, I don't know if CW or the show is also hoping that people will forget about it. And that's why they, they probably will, anything. especially like yeah. with everything else yeah. going on. I, I definitely yeah. feel like if there's no, you know, push by, like, if, if right. we, we would have, have to trend and no one has our yeah. lawyer or something to get. Yeah. It'd have to be trending, it'd have to be picked up by the media for them to pressure the show to actually do something. And then, of course, we don't know, um, you know, what they've seen. I know that, you know, Grant had Hartley's Black Lives Matter suite as highlights, and then, like, a couple hours later... It Hartley disappeared. Apology, it disappeared. <laughs> so, and then I think Danny Nicolette unfollowed Hartley on Instagram, so yeah. clearly some people are seeing some things. Um we just where the show left off, we know that, you know, Ralph and Sue just got developed and Sue is now being framed for uh white dude's murder. So there's story there, but also yeah. that story is supposed to end in season six. So, you know, there's an opportunity to end that story and also move Hartley off the show. Right. But, you know, only time will tell what, yeah. if the writers want to, if the show wants to stand by Hartley or not. I yeah. still say yet, that what needs to happen is Sue will rush in and say that Ralph was protecting her from the bad guys, and then unfortunately <laughs> he was permanently disfigured into someone like Noah Centennial. <laughs> Not Noah Centennial, but some other cheesy white guy who is. <laughs> he elongated too hard, now his face has changed. <laughs> Permanently. <laughs> That's I mean, it I could work. Say. It could work. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, the funny thing is, like, we saw we're going to talk about this later in another podcast, but like Warner Brothers and CW come out with statements, but Warner Brothers specifically said, you know, we're putting this out there so that you guys can hold us accountable, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> so we're going to bookmark that tweet. 
<laughs> and come yeah. back to it later. <laughs> anyway, we'll be talking about that on our next episode, which we'll be recording in like 30 minutes when we're done talking about these two shows. <laughs> so stay tuned for that. Um, but in the meantime, we have Batwoman news, which is uh, that apparently, according to a recent casting call, and I think that Hollywood Reporter or Variety wrote about it too, so I guess it has not been debunked. Right. It's horrifying yeah. to me. Well, source decider. But yeah. I don't have to believe them. But then Hollywood Reporter wrote about it, and I was like, damn it. Damn it, I have to believe them now. So, <laughs> anyway. Um, apparently, Kate Kane is not being recast. Apparently, we're going to have a new lead character, like Ryan Wilde or someone like that. I don't know what they're called. Um, so, it, And she's also, she's still a lesbian. Ryan Wilder, that's what it is. She's a lesbian. She's like a bodybuilder or something, an athlete. I don't know what she is doing. She used to be a drug runner, and I think maybe she was like a street fighter or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so she was a drug runner. She's now a street fighter. So she sounds kind of like Harper Rowe type character, maybe. But yeah, Ryan Wilder. Um, and she's going to be the new Batwoman. And I would love to know what we think about this. I personally think that this is the worst idea in the world. Um, <laughs> unless she's literally the daughter of Bruce and Selina and it's just for the prey dude, but no. But that's not going to happen. So what yeah, do we But think? even then, it would be like a reboot of season. Like, we'd be watching like, season yeah. one all over again. Bruce is too young to have it, a 20-year-old daughter. Yeah. Um, she's in her early 20s. But, like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I answered because we got, like, some asked about it on Tumblr, too. And I was like, it just does not make any sense even from like where we ended like this season kate just became batwoman she just put on the cowl like why is she taking off the cowl how do you transition to a new batwoman without the old batwoman to set it up <laughs> right like what happens like why would mary and luke give the cowl to some random no alice has no motivation now because her only driving characteristic was her sister and now her sister's not there um, Sophie, what is she gonna do? You know, like what is where are their plans for her? Does this mean Julia stays? Does this mean you know Julia has no more you know motivation to be there because like the whole Penny Moore things like oh my gosh, what's Kate gonna think or what's you know how does Kate fit into this like triangle? There's no triangle anymore. So there's just like a lot of like threads that are now just left dangling. <laughs> because they don't want to recast. Just put a, we all get it, you know. It's 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 very public news that Ruby's gone. Right. We can all pretend. <laughs> the, yeah, I don't understand why. Very different person's name. I think like they have a really. I guess it's like it's like some kind of like actor loyalty. I guess that's cool. But like, um, no, we can all accept a a, a a recast. We can all do it. Remember in season one. Where some fucking outlets were like, oh, they should recast Iris. Mm, why don't we actually do it that this time? This time it actually is the only time when it actually makes sense. Like, yeah. it's so it's just so stupid. It's gonna it's it gonna is, and especially since show. like in the comics, you know, Batwoman is Kate Kane, so it would feel really odd to just like you you know you guys already said it just changes the whole dynamic. We have to be introduced to like what are what are the characters' motivations to even be Batwoman like. Where is she coming from? How are they even going to transition Kate's story out if they're not even going to recast her? You know, like, how does that end if they're not bringing Ruby Rose back to even, like, say goodbye to her own character and then say, like, any reason that she has right now to leave Gotham City makes no sense. (laughs) And then it it alters everything, even, like, the cliffhanger. We got Bruce Wayne, you know? 
Yeah. The only Tom way Gillis that this would make any sense is right. if they had managed to get Ruby back for a couple of episodes in order to transition her out. But then what? Why? Like you pissed her off. Like, why piss her off by saying that she was, like, horrible on set? Exactly. Yeah. So, then, so that doesn't make any sense. Why would they do that? Why wouldn't they just recast? I don't know. I'm really hoping. I'm still, like, praying. I'm praying that what actually happens is that Kate goes missing, right? Um, And then this girl is, like, so trying to document. Huh? <clears throat> Bruce 2.0? Maybe. Um, and then this woman is like trying to be that woman to fill in the gap or whatever for an episode or two. And then Kate comes back. She's, you know, rescued or whatever. And she's got a different face because Alice or whatever, you know? Something like that. That'll be like, yeah, but the old... casting all said new lead though. And then right, they, Tatiana they is hoping. <laughs> And then they would keep that girl on, right? Because she did so good in that one episode or whatever. <laughs> like, all right, you can be, you can be Batgirl. Got a lot of faith really in Batgirl, her. You, know, you can be, little, you can be baby Batwoman. You can yeah. be that child. I'm just, I'm just thinking about like what even is Alice's motivation now? No, there's nothing. nothing. They just ruined everything. M- maybe she's mad at this girl for replacing her sister. I guess. Like, <laughs> it's just stupid. It's so yeah, stupid. it really I hate is. It. I don't know why they would have thought and it's this. It's so sad too because like the show was starting to do well. Like we've gotten the shock is over, you know. Like you said, we would accept the new, you know, Kate. So it's happened several times before. This is not new to the TV industry, so I don't get Hello, it. Hello, Aunt Biff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know. Maybe we should write an article. Maybe one of us is running about like why this can't happen. Don't do it. And see if <laughs> they'll be like, oh. It. They said don't do it. I guess you won't. I, I mean, there's, there have been some articles about how it makes no sense. Like, they've they've basically managed to write themselves into a more complicated corner than having just a regular recast. Yeah. I don't know. Unless they have some amazing idea, but I don't know. I don't think... And even if it was an amazing idea, people are going to take so poorly to it. Like, mm-hmm. it's going to be so hard to get people on board. So, whatever. I don't know. Unless... No, I'll stop. I'll stop. It's fine. It doesn't matter. I'll just be quiet. Here, <laughs> with the class. <laughs> no, I was just say, like, is there any way that that casting call could still be for Kate Kane and they just change it? But no, because the backstory doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. We hate it. We hate to see it. But moving on, um, we will get to the format of this episode, which is going to be Stargirl and Legends, Likes, Dislikes, and Lady with Gumption of the Week by May, who will take it away. Hello, it is I, and we'll start with the only side, side A, um, Talent Day slash Thong Song. So we're starting off with Stargirl. After a dangerous confrontation with a member of the Injustice Society of America, Pat warns Courtney to back down from her attempts to go after them. But when she encounters what she believes to be a message from one of them, she urges Pat to help her. Meanwhile, Barbara makes strides at work, which impresses her new boss, Jordan. Um, Yvette Monreal, Angelica Washington, Trey Romano. Oh, no. Those are the people who also star. Michael Nankin <laughs> directed the episode written by Colleen McGinnis. What sparked joy? Well, this is going to be very short. <laughs> but I guess just in general, <laughs> what sparked joy the most was that this episode was actually enjoyable. I wasn't looking at the clock to see how many minutes were left. And I yeah. think one of the reasons why I enjoyed this better it's because, for one thing, Courtney actually listened to Pat and went to school, which means we got to go to school and see some more of the school dynamics. So, and it was, like, talent day, so everybody was, like, showing off. Um, got to see her in class. She There's a math teacher there. So, there are kids learning at that school and also kids bullying each other. 
And we got to see a little bit more of her, Courtney, trying to assimilate, trying to be nice, make friends with her little magic trick with um, Harry Potter's son, whatever. Voldemort's son, whatever. Um, So there's, like, more stuff going on there. I think Neil Jackson is just excellent as Icicle, as Jordan. Like, he was probably the best part. Like, Brainwave, who? Like, why did you... Least two episodes of Brainwave when we could have high school this whole time is what I feel like. Um, I liked the twist that the weird, silent, angry boy from the first episode, who is now slightly less angry in this episode, is actually Icicle Jr. Um, so that was great. And also kind of like the twist. I wasn't, you know, because you have like the women in refrigerators and, um, you know, the wife dying to feel the villain's pain. But it was kind of a surprised that she's also kind of evil <laughs> like her last words is just like kill everyone that gets in your way I'm like oh okay <laughs> so it's not like you know he was a good man and then but they are both like kind of awful people and she became more awful when she died um but I guess somebody killed her through I don't know cigarette smoke or something she died of some kind of cancer but <laughs> <laughs> somebody killed her. I was like, wait, she was murdered? <laughs> well, somebody, somebody did something, blew some smoke in her face. She's like, you go find that person and kill them. So, yeah. <laughs> murdered by the environment. <laughs> that was interesting. And that kind of, like, gets backstory about the whole, like, American Dream Project. is basically Jordan's, like, brainchild. Brainwave Jr. moved the cup, so yay for him. Um, he's one step closer to terrorizing the school. So that's, you know... Him and Icicle Jr. Now we have two established baby villains. Um, the trailer was great because now we get to see like Yolanda uh, preview Yolanda becoming Wildcat. So now, and also like um, you know, Pat showed Courtney the JSA to be like a somber moment. Like this is why we can't do this. And she was like, I see this second steal and this second steal and this second steal. And so she takes that and becomes like you know, I'm going to create my own. Justice Society of America, because clearly I need a team that's not just Pat. Um, so that sets up something exciting moving forward, because all of her teammates are going to be her age, I would assume. So we are moving into that younger demographic that I wanted to see from the beginning. Um, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, that is about it. <laughs> I'm going to pretty much agree with everything you said. I... Uh, feel 100% blessed that we're finally getting into high school dynamics, getting to see Courtney's interactions with her soon-to-be friends and enemies. I also really like seeing the high school side of her because, you know, I feel like in the first two episodes, we mostly just saw her being mean to Pat. (laughs) (laughs) So now we see that she really is, like, a nice girl. Like, she fakes being impressed by Joey's magic trick to avoid embarrassing him. She, like, wants to, like, rush to Yolanda's defense, even when Yolanda doesn't want it. And then still is like, oh, hey, we can we can just get off, you know, we can just paint over this, don't worry. And Yolanda's like, fuck off. So, um, so yeah, so it's nice to see outside of her. Plus, um, also saw Cameron, Icicle Jr., um, and she actually maybe have some chemistry. I was like, oh, yeah. okay. So that's going to be I'm, an interesting, I'm like, like, enemies, undercover, under lovers, undercover enemies. I don't know what you call that trope. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like. Maybe it'll be lovers to enemies because he doesn't know yet that he needs to be anyone's enemy. We'll see. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> he 
because the thing is, like, first, I love how the exchange totally made me think of Mean Girls. It was like, what date is it? October 3rd is <laughs> absolutely what I thought of. Um, but oh my god, also, that's so true. <laughs> <laughs> but also, I was a little bit confused, because at first, what I thought she was saying, you're the one that painted her locker, like, you're the one that wrote a slut, and I was like, what? No. But no, painted over <laughs> painted So over I was like, it, oh. yeah. So, like, she found it sexy that he painted over the vandalized locker. You know what? The first time that I got a suspicion that he was Icicle Jr. was when, like, she was outside the school and then she, like, walked a couple steps and there was this big-ass ice star in the field. Oh, yeah. And we were supposed to think that Jordan did it, but yeah. I feel like maybe... You think like, he did it? it? I thought he did it. Oh. I was suspicious. I that definitely thought first, that Jordan did it. That was the first hint that I thought okay. maybe it was Icicle Jr. And then, yeah. Interesting. Um, but yeah, I like that he seemed impressed by the fact that she faked the magic thing. Like, he was like, oh, she's nice to Joey. And then, obviously, he painted over the locker. And then later, he seemed genuinely sad that Joey had died. When he talked to his dad, he was like, yeah, Joey was a nice man. Mm, <laughs> real sad. So then it was like, oh, well, your dad is the evilest guy, and you seem like you're maybe okay. So we'll see where this goes. I don't know. But I'm interested. Um also, I love Courtney and Pat bonding as usual. Love the trip to the Hall of Justice, the little tour of the JSA's things. Um, I feel real bad for Midnight's Owl. I really hope someone takes it home. It must be real lonely there for the last, like, eight years just hanging out in the hall by itself. Um, also, Courtney uh, then deciding she's going to recruit her own Justice Society was amazing. I feel it was, like, very much, like, very naive. and like, how are you actually going to do that? Like, what are the logistics yeah. behind just getting like- people thrust superheroes onto people. Yeah, like, we're like, still we're still in a sparked joy section. Like. <laughs> no, this is what I'm saying. Like I enjoy it because it's like it's like she's not thinking that through, right? She's just like, I'm gonna just have people try out to be superheroes and we're gonna do Very like yeah. you know, what a teenage girl would think was a great idea. So I look forward to seeing where that goes and how she manages that without like exposing her identity, without getting in trouble, without getting her fellow teenagers killed. I don't know. We'll exactly. see. So <laughs> that's that, that's my take on it. Lovely, lovely. Um, yeah, I mean, just to kind of add on to that, I really, I didn't. This part part of this will go into my um did not spark joy, but I think that it was really important to some degree that Courtney failed because I feel like since the very beginning she's just been so yeah let's do this I'm gonna be a superhero let's go after the Injustice Society of America which is supposed to be really really evil and bad and have connections and money and whatever and so you know she had this very like gung-ho attitude um so in this episode she finally kind of in a way, came back down to earth to some degree. For um, a minute. <laughs> for a minute. <laughs> but I think, you know, even if it's still a little bit naive to think that she can have her, like, her own team of people and they can just do whatever they want, but it's like she's thinking a little bit more outside the box. Like, she's finding her resources. She's getting this done, you know, um, versus before where she thought that she could pretty much do everything by herself, and that's just... No one can. Um, so, great job, Courtney. <laughs> he's going to have, like, so many more adopted kids now. He's not going to know what to yeah. do. <laughs> yeah. And I really, you know, like that something about this show is that, A, Icicle is really, really great. A villain, you know, he's menacing in a way that's not just really in your face. Um, and all the subtleties that kind of come into the show like each episode there's a little bit of like oh look there's an ice star in the middle of a field like you know that there's something 
creepy going on in the background, even though she doesn't necessarily see it in her day-to-day life. Um, so I think that those little things help make the show or at least the Injustice Society of America somewhat more sinister. But like the introduction of iSchool specifically was really well done because he is so far the scariest person on this show. And, you know, we have him for some, you know, speaking in some, I guess, Eastern European language that's supposed to be like, oh, look at this family of evil <laughs> Eastern European Yeah, people. it's like, like it's supposed to be like <laughs> Nazi. Yeah, vibes. I was like, okay, I don't know what's. Like, I didn't recognize the language. I definitely get like, that vibe because they wanted to, like, they're talking about, like, rebuilding the society or, like, you yeah. know, yeah. this is, like, a yeah. test run. So I definitely get that vibe. Yeah. And, and you know, a lot of their plight sort of sounds like MAGA, to be honest. Like, oh, we need to help our children and protect our children. This is how we're going to do it, by making the society means. better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, they're clearly psychos <laughs> but as a as a villain like he was it was very well done um what else i think those are the, the main aspects and of course yes yeah, seeing courtney Moore in high school having her interact with the people she's obviously going to be friends with in the future um and that one shining moment where we had you know her potentially become friends with joey even though joey was the son of also a bad man but you know joey was a very nice kid which Leads me yeah, into the like did not he, spark. He was not <laughs> yeah, he wasn't. So, what well, did not spark joy on that note? <laughs> I guess him. Well, start off with him dying because that was like, it seems so random. Like icicle, it seemed like icicle was just being like really, really petty because he had just been technically he had lost, and all these kids are on this bus, and so he's just like, I will take this opportunity. I, I did not kill the child that I want, but I will kill a child today. <laughs> <laughs> it happened to be Joey, and I think the fact that Joey is was from what we saw just seemed to be like a nice kid. Um, it you know it was it was a sad moment on the episode. Um, backing up into earlier in the episode, I don't understand the slut shaming of Yolanda. I feel like it's quite excessive and a bit nonsensical, seeing as how I still don't know exactly what she supposedly did or why. Like freaking frack, I forgot the girls, the cheerleader girls' names. Why they appear to control the school of public opinion. Um, I I feel like any kind of nuance that that storyline could have is lost on this writer's room. Like, I don't know. I don't know that they know how to write that delicately. And so it just feels very sledgehammer. Um, and I think it's, like, unnecessary. Um, other than that, other than, you know, Joy dying and then... You know, we lost, like, two villains. The ISA is dropping like flies because Brainwave was in a coma. And then Icicle killed, you know, Harry Potter guy, Wizard, William. William is his name, right? <laughs> yes, killed, William. <laughs> killed him. Oh, Wizard um, so is his identity. Wizard, yeah. So they're down, like, two guys already. Um, what else was I going to say? Um, Evil Colonel Sanders is still around. I don't care. Like, I'm sorry, Barbara. <laughs> I I really don't I know that she's supposed to be like our end to see like what the American dream is actually supposed to be doing but I don't really care about Barbara and her nostalgia of a city that she left over 20 years ago and like all these are like trying to rebuild the city and she's like oh that was there 20 years ago and media blah 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 I'm like cities grow up Barbara damn like <laughs> you left the city <laughs> 
If I want a shopping mall, it's in the theaters. Give me my fucking shopping mall. <laughs> like why? Like why do you have you know? And you know the the fact that that's like her. You know, it's it's written as like, oh my gosh, nostalgia is so cool. She has such great ideas. She should like go up in the company. And it's just like, shut up, Barbara. <laughs> I don't like. It's very you know. I don't like her very much or her scenes she's fine as a character i just don't really care about her job and then the stepbrother mike i don't really i don't feel i don't know what his purpose is other than to be annoying and there's enough like annoying younger brother tropes on the tv that if you're not gonna give anything just like why write him in the show so yeah (laughs) yes once again we coincide um cindy which is girlfriend cheerleader mean girl okay whatever is like such a one-dimensional character she's literally like bella thorne from the duff but like not funny just annoying and mean and i don't like jess just said i don't know what yolanda did like it seems like maybe cindy's boyfriend likes her or something um and if that's true then where is her boyfriend like brainwave jr yes or like maybe it was like her friend's boyfriend someone's boyfriend likes yolanda and this made Cindy real mad. But um, if this boyfriend likes Yolanda, where is he? He obviously doesn't like Yolanda. Otherwise, he might help her. Right. And B, if anyone anywhere liked Yolanda, why would she be sitting at, like, the loser's table? Clearly, this is nonsense. This makes no sense. This is a stupid <laughs> plot. So, um, aside from that, it was dumb. And then, I like, I know it was there, like, to make... Courtney look nice, which it did, and I liked that part of it, but for Yolanda, it was totally useless. So, thank you for nothing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, I don't understand why I still killed Joey. I don't get what the point was. I understand, like, oh, I'm gonna throw this buck off, and then Starrell's gonna, whatever, you know? Like, okay, cool. But first, like, why are you even throwing this bus of children that are supposed to be the future, right? Like, aren't you rebuilding society? What are you, why are you trying to kill your society? That you're rebuilding. Great um, and then and, and then she says, I'm like, I get like maybe being like, haha, Stargirl, I've thrown you off track by throwing by making this buzz run yes. off course. See if you can save this child in time. Yeah, exactly. But then like he's like, mm, I'm so mad that Stargirl saved my children, so I'm gonna kill one of these children. And specifically <laughs> Wizard's son. I was like, it's just like, do you just hate Wizard? Which I guess you do, because you then killed Wizard. So okay, but it just seemed like, mm, he's evil. Evil things must happen. Stargirl must realize that she can't always win. And also, that this is a larger game she's playing. So we will kill this very nice boy. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I don't know. I thought that was really weird and unnecessary. If he had just, like, died <laughs> in the process, that would have been better. Like, if he had died because she wasn't fast enough to save the boss somehow, right? Then she would realize the burden. But I don't really think that this tells her the burden of anything. Because she was he was literally just murdered <laughs> right after unrelated to her <laughs> but oh well um anyway then then he killed the wizard and i'm like again what is the point why did i even meet the wizard and his poor wife slash mother of joey who i feel very bad for um and joey just so they could die this episode <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yeah the, the street is mad too they are protesting about this right now so yeah it was just mm, okay um I guess it just shows that Icicle, like, wants to rule alone. He doesn't really care about the Justice Society. He just wants to have things his way. I guess that's what it told me. I don't know. Anyway, 
Yes, poor Barbara is stuck helping uh, make Blue Valley great again, or whatever the hell she's doing, and we hate to see it. Um, also, I hate to sound like I'm living in the 1950s, but I would just rather see her at home with the family. And <laughs> 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 you be bonding with Mike so that Mike will have something to do? Like, it'd be cool to see, like, oh, there's Pat and Courtney, and then, you know, Mike and Barbara. So we see, like, non-biological family dynamics. But mm-hmm. no, she's just there wanting to rebuild the theater, which is really nice. I would also like to keep the theater. So I, but if people are going to go that theater, to theater, like evil Colonel Sanders said that theater has been losing money for like ever. So <laughs> obviously people don't care about that theater. Just people Barbara. <laughs> Maybe she'll force Mike to be in a play at the theater. Mm, there we go. That's how we'll get the storyline. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <done. laughs> oh yeah. I mean, it's TV is funny. It's like people, say this heartfelt speech and suddenly everything changes. I'm like, man, I wish this was real life. (laughs) But um, I completely agree. I did not like the fact that Joey died. Like I thought that it would have been really cool if we had seen Courtney become friends with all of the Injustice Society's kids because that would have been an interesting dynamic moving forward. Especially um, if they're all like in superhero or villain masks like later on so they're like fighting each other during the night and like having friendships. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it would be really cool. And it just felt like at first I was like okay so I guess he killed Joey to get Wizard to work with him again. But then I'm like but then he killed Wizard so I don't yeah. understand. <laughs> Like Why didn't even try to blame it on like Star Girl? <laughs> yeah, he just it was just straight up murder, and I'm like, okay, so I, it just feels like the stakes aren't really there. Like this was this death, both of these deaths were supposed to be impactful, I guess, but it would have been more so if it had come later on, like 13 episode season, kill Joey in episode 10, piss Wizard off, and then you know something will happen then but like what is the point of having the injustice society if they're just gonna there's just gonna be so much infighting that they're just killing each other and like star girl's not even doing shit (laughs) so i don't understand (laughs) um yeah so that was really upsetting especially since these dynamics weren't really explored yet like i don't know what wizard and icicle's relationship was about like we didn't even get flashbacks to their injustice society days you know to see what they were up to i think that would have been really interesting um mike is there but it feels weird because obviously courtney feels more like pat's daughter and mike is just sort of that that extra kid but we don't get any interactions or any meaningful interactions between him and courtney or him and pat even he's just kind of like constantly whining um Mm -hmm. so yeah, that's there's just like a lot of aspects of the show that if they were removed, then it wouldn't really affect much. Um, yeah, and I'm also uninterested in Barbara's work. Not that I necessarily want her to be home, <laughs> but I do think that. <laughs> <laughs> like, when I, I was like, oh, wow, you have great values. <laughs> Gonna go have dinner with the family. <laughs> yeah yeah so i don't know it's just a lot of things that are just accepted within the show that the audience is just supposed to take but there's no expansion on the dynamics of those characters for it to be like wow i'm so shocked at joey's death and wizard's death all in one episode (sighs) 
but alas. And I know that we don't have any feedback, so I'm just going to move straight into prediction. No, like Flora is like, I'm not even going to try. Flora actually said something. <laughs> he All said, right. he I said think... no. Yeah. <laughs> frankly, Flora I don't give no a damn. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I do not want to fall girl because, frankly, I don't have time for that white nonsense right now. He did hope that Beth and the other characters of color were more prominent. And I will tell you that Beth did sit on the bus next to Joey <laughs> before he died. They were friends. And, yeah. and Yolanda was called a slut. <laughs> and and she, did tell, she did tell her white not acquaintance to please stop because she was making it worse. Mm, nuance. There is like a, there is like a weird like twerking joke in there though like just oh, come on I, I totally forgot I totally put I was gonna put that in the dislikes I forgot about it because I was like what does Berlanti have against twerking because they had Iris say the twerking thing in the first episode of The Flash too yeah and now we are like six, six so it sounds later. like a microaggression to me exactly what the hell <laughs> anyway so we don't like that all right oh yeah predictions right. yes do I we predict have that yeah. name like Flash Mother, who may actually have a name, but I didn't listen to it. Denise. Denise, Because she you. was the one that was, like, trying to, like, get all up on Pat in the episode before, and I was not feeling her, so I know. <laughs> well, now she has even more reason to. She doesn't have a husband anymore, so. <laughs> I, I feel like there's going to be, like, weird um, adult triangle dynamics with, like, Denise trying to get up on Pat, and then probably... Barbara's going to catch feelings for Jordan because, you know, he's blonde and saying nice things to her about her job. So, so they're going to try and, and make that a home. So let's have an affair. <laughs> yeah, my my husband is always gone. Don't know where he is. I'm always spending time with my daughter. I don't like Too that. Much, yeah. I'm going to have more work hours with Jordan because he understands my point of view. He also cares about the theater that no one is in. He also really nice to look at. So, but yes, I do think that Denise will um, figure out how to use her husband's wand, figure out how to use the wizard wizard wand, and eventually be an ally against Icicle after first being convinced by him that Stargirl's responsible for her family's death. Uh, you are very optimistic. I know this was a hope more than anything, but okay. I mean, if it cool. happened, it would make sense. <laughs> But the show does not choose yes. to make sense. Nope. <laughs> All right. Moving into our fave Legends of Tomorrow season finale. Still controlled by the fates, the legends find themselves in George Orwell's 1984-esque world. They soon discover that things aren't as they thought they would be. The legends must convince the civilians to trust them and stand up for for their right to choose, but the fates don't make it easy by resurrecting the encores once again. Kevin Mock directed the episode written by Kido Shimizu and Morgan Faust. What sparked joy? (laughs) And what sparked joy was uh, seeing John and Astra working together, seeing Astra channeling positive thoughts of her mother for once. Um, Also, I just, I I like the dynamic between them in general because I just feel like John just sort of feels like he like wants to be her dad. (laughs) So, I enjoy them. Anyway, also, I love how the team had me thinking that it would be over with Atropos being dead. I was like, oh, let's go see what happened. And instead, they were like, fate watch! So that was a cool twist. And also a different way of controlling people. Like, I think it was a better cautionary tale against technology than Supergirl's entire season. Especially mm-hmm. when it was Gideon who was the fate watch. And you're like, oh my god, Gideon was used for evil! Oh, anything can turn on you. So, <laughs> good time. Um, love that the entire team tried unsuccessfully to convince Charlie about free will being good, and then it was Lida 
who was like, oh, my dad, my dad tried to erase my existence, but now we get along great. See? Free will. <laughs> and that did the trick. But, okay. Lakeesa's <laughs> the thong song in the Hall of Bad Ideas or the Hall of Villains or wherever he was uh, in the bad place proves just how evil she is. Also, it was nice to see Courtney Ford again, even if she was Marie Antoinette. And Astra tricking Lachesis into thinking she was Charlie. That was a great moment. Uh, plus the legends hiding as their own statues. So that whole, the whole like lead up to the climactic battle, which included Cisco performing Song Song. Thank you. That was excellent work, legends. Um, Tala Ash, MVP. She executed Zari's ending beautifully. I'm a, I, she's such a great actress that she managed to make both Zari's feel indispensable. Um, so it, it would be a tragedy to lose either one. And Zari 1.0 giving up her freedom slash existence, however you want to see it, to save Bayrod was the perfect bittersweet culmination of her arc. Because as we've said, her whole goal when she started was to reunite her family, right? So now she finally has. She saved her brother. She's reunited her family. And she's not a part of it. Very sad. Um, farewell scene with Nate, though, was really nice. Both because our national nightmare is over. And because it was a legitimately <laughs> sweet goodbye, <laughs> if you pretend it's not a redux of Nate and Amaya. Yes. So, good job. It's kind of funny because you're like, didn't he tell Amaya that he would never forget her? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he holds them both in his heart. <laughs> How are you one. honoring them, Nate? What will you do? <laughs> <laughs> um, Charlie performing with the smell was great and also um, a really nice combination of of her not quite as well executed arc but it was fun to see again plus the fact that they're singing mr parker's cul-de-sac song mr parker's cul-de-sac epic um love that but yeah i loved seeing everyone having a good time dancing with each other um and everyone getting their own little like endings right so astro reaching self-equalization zarya and constantine actually conceivably being happy together um looking real cute while doing it mick and lida um lovely father-daughter duo and Sarah and Ava, co-captains in love, Nate and Bayrod, best buds for life. Just everything was perfect. You really could have just ended on that note. And unfortunately, that is not the case. But <laughs> it was a really nice ending. It was, it's probably the best season finale yet. Yeah. I think I said, like, when it when it was over, like, that could have been a series finale, and it would have been fine. It would have been, like, complete series finale. And, and then, you know, Sarah got abducted in the finals, and it's like, wait, there's more! So that was that. Um, so like minus Sarah getting abducted by aliens, it was, you know, pretty satisfying. Um, I enjoyed the episode, obviously. Um, I thought it was funny when, you know, they were trying to find the wave rider, like a lost car, just like clicking, like, where did I park my car? Um, so like little things like that. I also enjoyed John um, and Astra's dynamic. And it did, it did really feel like, you know, he was a father, a lost father figure for her. Um, so he's like coaching her how to be a conduit and, you know, being really encouraging her. And he's always been on her side ever since she came out from hell, even when she didn't have like the best start to the team. One thing he always took her side and always defended her. Um, so it was really, you know, just like a building on that relationship and him, you know, teaching her how to use magic um, through the love of her mother as opposed to what she's been exposed to being in hell. And, and, you know, so it's kind of like the, she grew up with all like the bad practices and now he's teaching her 
how to use her mother's love and, and have it be come from like a, a loving place instead of a bad one. Um, and I also like that when she was doing it and it was like really great. And then it got corrupted by Lakeesis' face instead of her mother. And she kind of had this realization that she was the reason why she was so attached to Lakeesis is because she felt that Lakeesis was like a, a replacement for the bond that she lost with her mother and how that was very difficult for her to kind of like realize and then, you know, try to correct later on in the episode. Um, and so I, I, I did like where, you know, Lakeesis thought it was Charlie, but it turns out it was Astra and Astra was like taking a stand of not being manipulated by Lakeesis anymore. So I thought that was a great, um, part of Astra's character arc. Um, Z1, Zari 1, 1.0, and Behrad, both acknowledging that Zari 2 has the hot scrounson scene, but that was funny. Um, I also thought it was like kind of nice to see, you know, Z have her brother back and being able outside of, you know, just TV show to, uh, from last episode, to have more time with him and kind of get to know him. And there's like that kind of awkwardness there. Um, and the slow realization that her being there and the two timelines, her timeline of him being dead and his timeline of being alive were kind of like conflicting. Um, I thought that was kind of, you know, it, was, it started out really subtly. Like she would say something and team one and he's on team two, but he can hear it and he kind of like coughs and you're like, that's weird. And then it gets like progressively more aggressive as the episode goes on. So I thought that was really like played out really nicely into Zari realizing that, but like, I like how the Zari and Behrad story, the line like kind of built as the episode went on and um, sorry, realizing that, you know, being two existences couldn't exist in the same space and her having to go in. I thought that that ended really nicely um, because she didn't dive. She's just like going back into like the totem. So she's kind of like around, but not around. Um, and Behrad gets to live. Um, so that was, that was great that, you know, she was able to complete her mission or her destiny of like getting her brother back. Um, and I agree, like, the whole, in a weird way, the whole Nate Zari thing sparked joy because it was the end and it made it clear that, you know, it, Zari, like, Nate wouldn't try to make Zari 2.0 into a replacement for Zari 1.0. They, they had that clearly, um, make them separate people and separate timelines. And so, um, if that's you know we can have that over there so (laughs) I think it was nicely like tied off um let's see the team yeah trying to convince Charlie that free will wasn't all bad was like really funny because they just failed spectacularly at it um (laughs) I think the visual of both the Zaris like trying to disconnect Gideon and the loom and Zari one be like, okay, it's gonna take me. I got through the first firewall, and then you see like Zari two pop up with like the, the plug and just like unplug Gideon. <laughs> Her face it was just so the funny. simplest ideas <laughs> that work sometimes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that like the climax of the fight with um, Cisco guest starring and singing the thong song was just awesome. It was really a nice surprise to see uh, Courtney Ford back again as Marie Antoinette and having all the encores. Um, and then 
again, like at the Mr. Parker's cul-de-sac, them turning it into a punk rock song. I like how the legends, they, they bring back little things like the whole Bebo thing was like a one child's toy in one episode. And then they built on it and kept bringing him back until he's like the god of the universe, of the legend universe. And now, you know, the, Mr. Parker's cul-de-sac was one show, one episode a while ago. And they were able to bring that back, not only in the previous episode, having it be one of the TV shows, but also, again, in the form of the finale and having it kind of be, like, part of the Legends theme. So I like when they when they do things like that, when they bring stuff back and they kind of, like, flip it and reverse it. Um, so that was, I, I really enjoyed that song. So that was really good. And, you know, finally, mm-hmm. of course, um, like, again, John and Astra and her taking the keys to his place and be like, this is my house now. <laughs> um, it does, it, I mean, it does feel like, you know, a father-daughter dynamic. Mike and Lida, uh, Mike, Mick and Lida, um, also great father-daughter dynamic. Weird, because it's Mick, but yeah. Oh, and Gary's like, am I a manic pixie dream boy? I thought that was funny line. Yeah, I laughed so hard because it was so accurate. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I agree with all of this I mean I loved the fact because I know last week we were sort of wondering whether like the two Zaris would merge what would happen would one be erased and I really like the fact that given that this is like the second sacrifice for Zari 1.0 but that this time it was something that she got to think about and something she got to see firsthand about like how it would affect her brother and you know, the idea of her doing this and getting to say her goodbyes and actually being remembered as someone who was a legend, who had lived a life, but now she was doing something that she actively wanted to do for her family. And I thought that was really poignant moment. It was very emotional, like watching it. Um, because like last, last season, you know, she just disappeared and then no one remembered her. So I'm really glad that she gets to still live on in the totem that belongs to her family. And, you know, she will get to be remembered for good now, which is great. Um, also, speaking of the totem, love that moment with Behrad and Zari 2.0 where, like, they grab each other's yes. hands and they both use, yeah, they both use the power. <laughs> like, yes, this is what I want to see. So that was beautiful. Um, yes, and like the way I thought it was really clever because they had Sarah be blind for a few episodes, but then here, you know, we realize it's her being blind is because of the fact that Atropo had given her sort of a little bit of her powers. And then when they killed Atropo, she's suddenly not blind. And I'm just like, Oh, well that makes sense. Plot wise. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was clever. And then of course, bringing back all the encores, it was great to see Courtney Ford. I love the fact that, you know, it's sort of like an in joke now that, they just keep popping her head off of her neck <laughs> or her the rest of her body. <laughs> um, Zari and Constantine, of course, the flirtation. Oh, I forgot their make out. To I make out in the middle of yeah. a mission. And thinking that <laughs> no one can hear them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was perfect and beautiful. And even like the little things like at, as they're walking out of the bar at the end and, you know, Constantine's bemoaning about how like, oh, cigarettes. So he finally had grabbed one and then she just takes it and throws it away. And he's like, OK, with that, he just shrugs and walks. <laughs> so that was really cute. Um, 
And then, of course, like Astra and Constantine, like we've seen that relationship and what it looks like throughout the season. And like you guys already said, you know, he's sort of been like a father to her. He's been rooting for her um, since she got out of hell. And it was really nice to see that in a way Astra sort of got like a weird father-daughter relationship, but also like a mother-daughter relationship with um, Lachesis and, you know, seeing john on one hand like root for her tell her that she can do it you know she does have the strength to accomplish uh and envision her mom when they were doing their magic versus like lakesis's clear abuse and manipulation of her um and it was really interesting too because we don't really get to see a lot of mother-daughter relationships on dc tv and even though this one was like really fucked up it was still like mommy issues you know so it was interesting Mm -hmm. to see that and how it affected her even though I think it came too late and we'll discuss that um, Lita coming full circle and you know we know that she's been like so upset with Mick for most of the seasons since she found out that he existed and then finally saying like oh no but she loves her dad like she's happy that the legends mess up sometimes for the better because humans do mess up and then things can come out of it that are better and you know we don't just get stuck in hopefully the same cycle over and over <laughs> Um, so yeah, that was really nice. And it kind of, it felt bizarrely right because Lita or Lida and Mick have had this relationship throughout the season. And then we've seen, um, Charlie have her relationship with her sisters. So I felt like it was a very useful family talk. Um, and then of course, Charlie facing her sister and, you know, telling her that she's just been holding her back. And all that good stuff was really great. Like, she finally took a stand. And it wasn't necessarily to, like, kill her sister. Um, even though... Anyway, I'll get to that later. <laughs> but that was, like, a good moment for for Charlie. Um, mm-hmm. And then, of course, Cisco singing to Thong Song while they're fighting. Like, I love fight scenes with music. Because it's always done well and this was just great because if i hadn't seen and known that cisco is actually going to be in the episode before i would have just thought that like oh look it's a cisco statue <laughs> but it was really great to see him come to life i was like oh my childhood <laughs> all of that was epic and beautiful and well done <laughs> well it did not spark joy <laughs> um i like i think that charlie's ending is where charlie would end up but I don't like that we're losing Maisie. And I don't feel like they did either of her characters justice. I feel like they were just like, well, we're done with Maya. And now they're like, well, we're done with Charlie. Even though they said that it's because she wants to go do her own thing. Which more power mm-hmm. her she does. But I feel like they did not uh, use her wisely while they had her. So, mm-hmm. displeasure. Um, also, don't like that Astra appears to be leaving as well. I guess we'll see if that is the case or not. But um, I think that it would have been way cooler to have her stick around. As John's I think she'll just daughter. have like a summer or summer off at the house, and then she'll be like, "This is boring," and then she'll come, she'll back, come back. I feel yeah. like, yeah, that's my I prediction. So. I guess I like it. Um, I'm also with Mona and Gary because you know they made contributions in this life. So um, yeah, that's about it. I mean, I agree with what Jessica will say, but I did not care about Lakitas. So you'll I, wait for me to say it. Yeah, I'll wait for you to say it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say like on with Mona and Gary, I did think it was odd that they were so instrumental in the penultimate episode of getting the legends out of TV. And then they showed up at the beginning of this episode 
and then like halfway through like once they found like the wave rider or whatever they just kind of dropped off the episode i don't remember seeing and maybe go back and look but i don't remember seeing them at the the pub where the snail were performing there was no kind of like yeah and and if they were there they probably would have come out with legends anyway so i just Mm -hmm. thought it was like odd that they did all this help and then the legends are like okay bye (laughs) and we didn't see them again i did think that was weird um from on the whole Lakeisha situation, just from like a realistic narrative point of view, I feel like you didn't have to redeem Lakeisha's. I think it was a cop out. Um, she was an abuser. She abused both Charlie and Astro. She gaslit them and made them feel like they could do anything without her or didn't know, you know, didn't have any free will, basically, which is like the theme of the season. Um Atropos died. You know, she's a killer and she died. So I don't understand. Yeah. Well, I, I do understand because the whole like family, whatever thing that they're trying to go for. I'm just saying like you didn't have to do that. You didn't have to go there. You know, she could just be a bad person because she was. <laughs> so um, I think, you know, on the one hand, they had Astra as a victim standing up to and defying Lachesis of saying, you know, I'm not going to be gaslit by you anymore. And I just feel like, you know, just go all the way. Um, Because Charlie was definitely, like, for most of the episode, she was, well, after they broke the loom, she was definitely, or even before then, because even though she's like, you know, the legends are my friends, and, you know, and then um, sometimes they fix things, and then Lakeisha turns it around, and is like, no, actually, that was your fault. And she's, like, gaslighting Charlie to think that, free will is and everything that's happened because of that is all Charlie's fault and shouldn't he just be a good girl and you should stay here and you should listen to your fate watch and da 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 so I just feel like you know Charlie could have just cut off her sister and that would have been just a satisfying uh, conclusion that's her being like you were lost too you know that kind of thing but whatever yeah I agree with that and I think it's because for me, like the whole season, it's they introduced it as Charlie's story. Like these are Charlie's sisters and this is what they've done and their family dynamic. But I don't feel like we really got much of that exploration of their relationship. Like if we got bits and pieces of it, but by the time it got to the point where Charlie was able to tell off her sister and, you know, speak her mind about a lot of things that she's probably been holding in or not realizing that she's been gaslit all these years. Um, was like it could have been more satisfying because we saw Astra. I feel like Astra's stories with uh Lachesis was a little bit better than Charlie's because Charlie was just yeah. kind of like a plot device in a lot of ways. Uh-huh. Um, like oh, because you know she's there and let's let's make the fates her sisters so we can have more drama, <laughs> but it didn't like there could have been a lot more um. D- uh, exploration and better dynamics with with the three sisters considering like how powerful they were and how long you know they were obviously together um so yeah i think it was like unrealistic to just and just to assume that lakesis will just like sit there ponder her bad behavior and then just actually become a good person you know like that so it just felt slightly unsatisfying um and of course, part of it's because, like you know, Tati said, they didn't really utilize Charlie or, or Macy in general um, as well as they could have. So 
now that she's gone, it's like, oh, well, there won't be time to redeem the writers in that instance. <laughs> um, do we have any um, feedback? We do. From Shang and Suara. Yes, we do. Um, all right. Feedback from Suara. The Legends finale is overall good, but had a number of frustrating plot points. I'm glad for how they saved the day from the fates, defeating the sister, her sister and getting her to realize a value in messy humanity. But Charlie's exit was so poorly written, one of the worst in DCTV, and has the worst optics, especially now. Mm-hmm. I've read that Maisie wants to become a filmmaker and needed time away from acting, but I'm not sure if I fully buy that. Whatever okay. she wants, you all support her, though. Even though it was mentioned that Astra was probably moving, I hope she doesn't. I love her as part of a team. I honestly have some hope she'll be a regular on the show next year, along with Behrad. Yay, Behrad is back along with Zari 2.0. I was expecting the Zaris to fuse, so, but I can accept the new situation, having Zari 2.0 be our main Zari who continues to grow along with Behrad. Two Persian siblings on the ship. I do have a sneaking suspicion that the Zaris may still fuse somehow next season, but I'm so grateful we still have Zari 1.0 to a degree. It seems like she'll be called occasionally, which I'm glad about. Also, I actually bought her romance with Nate finally. Right as it seemed like they could part forever. Okay. All right. Now we've got Shang. I hope that um, they do not ever fuse, never speak this into existence. But otherwise, I agree with you. Now, Shang. <clears throat> wow. The Legends did a better job with the lesson of free will, manipulation, and bad technology in one episode than the whole season of Supergirl. Oh, my God. That's what I said, Shang. Oh, <laughs> uh, two. Really like that rotation Avengers Assemble shot of the Legends before their big end fight. Mm-hmm. Well-balanced episode. I cried, laughed, and was in a ball of emotions. The way they found the Wave Rider like a car just sends me. Really enjoyed that the White Lady villain died first. The sequence <sighs> did to convince Charlie not everything is evil was super funny. The fight sequence to the thong song, metal punk version of Mr. Parker's song, I love them, Your Honor. Ava, who literally can't keep her eyes and hands off Sarah, didn't immediately notice Sarah disappeared. We all said... When I said we should all be social distancing, I didn't mean that. I didn't, expect, <laughs> I, I didn't expect it was Sarah that went missing, to be honest. I was theorizing it'd be one of the Zaris to make it so that we can see them both next season. Kind of bum we lost so many legends this season, but I look forward to whoever they add next. Kind of hoping they pick up Ryan Choi. That'd be amazing. Yes. Um, in terms of characters leaving, I know the writers have an this issue about... This has been my theory since crossover, sorry. Oh, well, it comes true. I know the writers have an issue about writing their characters of color, and maybe it is a factor in May's decision to leave. But it's mm-hmm. only a decision, and I wish her all the best. I feel like as much as the legend writers have done a pretty good job with what they have, the topic about their plots of white versus characters of color needs to be discussed in a podcast episode, question mark? <laughs> Overall season... <laughs> The writers definitely took the feedback from last season and improved. There are many great episodes. My top five were Mr. Parker's cul-de-sac, Meet the Legends, and the final three episodes in no particular order. I always loved Legends because of the way they have both humor and hard-hitting weapons. This encore concept was also way better than last season's Mystic Creature thing. Yes, it was. An 8.8 out of 10. Very nice. Snaps for Shang's feedback. Do we have... A lady with gumption, our final one for legends, at least. Mm. I'm going to go Astra. Okay. I feel like it's I supposed definitely. to be Charlie, but I will go Astra, because I feel like she had the more complete arc. I agree with this. I will third We're this. not even going to discuss Stargirl. Or if we're going <laughs> to do Stargirl, I'm going to say, I'm going to give it to Yolanda, just specifically <laughs> for the preview of her becoming Wildcat. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> not for, not to Barbara for standing no. up to the theater, <laughs> theater or for the theater. Crying audibly for theater. <laughs> theater community rights. No. <laughs> she was like, if only we had kept up the theater. Maybe your society is a little less racist. Only you had not moved out 20 years ago. You probably could have built up that theater, Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yay. Astra. Astra. Yay, Astra. Woo. And Astra is our lady with gumption. So we wrap up with legends and we will discuss the possibility of continuing Stargirl. <laughs> I, don't, you don't, I don't think we have to discuss that because I don't think anyone that's listening to this podcast right now probably skipped Stargirl and only listened to legends. So... Um, <laughs> I don't think there is a need to continue. If that's not true, then please let us know in our feedback. Otherwise, yes. if we get no if feedback about it, we will assume yeah. you don't want it. Yes. <laughs> if you do have, if you do want to continue watching and you want to send us your feedback on it, we will post it to Tumblr. Promise. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. And until next time, we were, where we will be discussing uh, Love Boat updates and, of course, our We Stand with DCTV Black Women, which is coming up next. Yes. You can always find us at Tumblr, ladieswgumption.tumblr.com. Email us at ladieswgumption at gmail.com. And over at Twitter at DCTV Gumption. Fare thee well.